One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon, right before Memorial Weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend. So we're so excited. If you're joining us live, if you're listening on the podcast, we love you just the same. So uh, another crazy week uh, for, for R-Squared and, and for what, what we do, a lot of speaking engagements this week. So we had a fantastic time. Uh, most of those were private, so we can't really tell you who we were talking for, but let's just say we had a great time at all of them. But uh, to see all of the upcoming events, you can always hit rickamores.com, find out where we're going to be. So let's get into today's show. I've got a great guest for you. Um, super excited to have them. This has been a long time in the making uh, for us. He's a co-founder of Simventions and a founding partner and speaker uh, with the John Maxwell team. Uh, Simventions is located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and has been recognized as one of Virginia's best places to work and recently named by Inc. Magazine as one of the 50 best places to work in 2016. As the Chief Technology Officer, he leads in identifying and contributing to the company's capability and influencing the strategic vision. He's the author of the book, Leaders Press On, and is an active member and contributor within both the simulation and virtual reality community. So let's bring him on right now, Paul Gustafson. How are you doing, Paul? Rick, it is great to be on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Memorial Day weekend. I mean, you can't ask for a better start of the summer than Memorial Day weekend. So yeah, pretty pumped. Absolutely. And we did a little bio there, but talk about how you broke into this this industry. I mean, what, what led you to the industry as a whole? Oh, yeah. You know, back in college, um, I really had an aspiration and a dream to start a business and just didn't have enough courage to really launch on that. Obviously, I'm just, you know, I'm graduating. I was a computer engineer uh, going through that program and I loved what I was doing, but I felt like, wow, you know, it'd be great to be uh, my own business owner one day. And um, it wasn't until a few years, maybe gosh, 10 years later that I really um, connected with some other folks who had the same dream, same vision. And so we realized, you know what, let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's launch a business. Let's get this thing started. And uh, we did. And uh, it wasn't an easy journey, but it was a fun journey. It was an exciting journey. And uh, that's why I I wrote the book Leaders Press On because it's really about perseverance. Whatever journey you start, whatever you're pursuing, whatever innovation you're going after, it requires perseverance. So that's why I really felt uh, compelled to write that book. And that's the tagline, right? Discovering the power of perseverance. So, you know, in the book itself, um, it's quite powerful, by the way. I've read it in, in a lot of, I love the the, um, the theories on fear and, and, you know, working through that. Obviously, we've got 12 steps that we're going to be talking about or 12 things uh, that we're going to be talking about in, in, in that portion uh, the 12 types of fears, but I, I, I really resonated with that because there's a lot of fear of generally moving forward. Um, and also loved, you know, several sections. So we're going to dive into this book, if that's okay with you for, for the next hour or so. Let's do it. Yeah, let's go. Outstanding. So yeah. tell me a little bit more about how you became interested in the theme of perseverance. Yeah. So um, really, it's kind of funny. I started thinking about perseverance when I was young. Um, I was in the sports. I was playing as many sports as I could. Um, obviously, I'm going to school just like everybody else. And one of the things I did not like to do was read. And so we had every week we would go to the library and we had to find something of interest that, 
that we would read. And I gravitated to the sports section, the, you know, the biographies of sure. sports stars. And I started reading those. And, and before too long, every time we had, um, had that one-hour class in the library, the librarian would already have a couple of books for me, all on, you know, different uh, biographies of different athletes, whether it was Jesse Owens or Wilma Rudolph or Jim Thorpe or Frank Gifford. I, I just consumed all of those. And the reason why I was compelled to that was just their story of perseverance. If you read any of those stories and just, just in terms of the, the effort and the execution and the dream, the, the uh, vision that they had in terms of executing and, and achieving that goal, it required perseverance. And for anybody that's playing in sports, that's certainly true. If anybody's going through college, that's a vision too, right? To graduate, you have to get through that. So it seems like life requires perseverance. And so I was really drawn to that early on and still am. So I'm fascinated. Yeah, by the topic. And I love the use of the term. So describe the, the, the nuance then in your, in your view, your terms between perseverance and persistence. Oh yeah. Um, you know, they're very similar, obviously the terms. And certainly if you read uh, think and Grow Rich, and it talks about persistence. And, and I like how it's worded there. And sometimes the persistence can kind of throw you off. So if you're too persistent, too stubborn, so the way that we've defined it in the English language today, which is probably a little different than um, perhaps when it was originally crafted and in, in, uh, used uh, 100 years ago. But when we think of persistence, we think about that one person who's just going to maintain digging their heels and just they're going to grind it out. And that's good. That's good. But what if you just need to pivot a little bit? What if you just need to change just your stance, your view, your, your uh, you know, maybe like in the bug's life. I don't know if you remember that movie yeah. when it first came out. I just laughed at that scene where the leaf falls down and all the ants are trying to carry the food to the altar. Right. The leaf falls down and it just blocks their, <laughs> their path. And they don't know what to do. And they're trying to be persistent and moving forward. And yet the other leader there says, do not panic. Do not panic. Just go around the leaf. And it's just a great example of how we need to pivot sometimes. We can still achieve our goal. We can still achieve that vision, but we just have to be able to pivot. So I like the word perseverance because um, it reminds me that sometimes you just have to adapt. You have to, to really adapt to a different situation. You know, you have to improvise and be able to find another way around it. And so you, that, that's the difference for me. And, and I, think that's, I think that's beautifully said. And a lot of, you know, a lot of our listeners you know, follow Think and Grow Rich and understood the chapter on persistence. So I loved you uh, doing that for us. I appreciate yeah. that. But you've actually taken perseverance and broken that out into phases as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So as I really tried to understand it, right? I mean, it's hard to understand one topic just, uh, just in a sentence you know, and just to think about it and like, okay, perseverance, what does it require? What, what are the elements, the essential elements to perseverance? And I found that there's four phases. And interesting enough, when we started our company, we identified these phases as well. And uh, so we have a tagline for a company, Sinventions, it's imagine, create, explore, discover. Well, those same four elements or phases describe what perseverance is all about, right? So the first one, imagine, it's about imagining the possible, Right? Thinking about what's, what's potential that might be something that we can pursue, that we can go after, that we can create, something that we can put back out as a solution or, or maybe a company or, or whatever it is that you endeavor and vision for. So it's, it's imagine the possible. Then it's about creating the future once you imagine it. And then from creating the future, 
then the magic starts happening. It's kind of scary, but once you start creating, then you start to, <laughs> you start to really hit some roadblocks. But a lot of times those roadblocks are they may be disguised as hurdles and roadblocks and challenges, but they're really they're really opportunities. And so you have to explore those opportunities. That's the third phase. And then the fourth phase is when you just discover the bigger picture. You see something that perhaps you never imagined before, but it was all part of the big picture. It was all part of where you wanted to go, where you needed to go, and you just had to go through those four phases before you actually see it. So that's it in a nutshell in terms of the four phases. I'm happy to dig deeper on any of those if you want. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's pretty much the model that I've seen for, for any industry for anybody in terms of perseverance are those four phases. Yeah, and I would like to dive into one of them because one is, is, is kind of my favorite. And, and it, it really, I, I think it's difficult for adults to, to truly do this anymore, which is imagination. And, you know, I, I always like to, to watch, you know, children on a playground and, yeah. and how quickly they can get together, how quickly they can create these incredible universes in their minds and, and play. And so imagination is so key to breaking out of the constraints of a lot of the problems that we deal with in a corporate world. So um, I would like to dive into to imagination a little bit more and, and find out like, what does it take to be, you know, to properly do that, to properly imagine a, a great future? Yeah. So they, yeah, that's phase one. Imagine that's where you got to start. I really believe that. And you got to continue to come back to that phase. It's where belief starts. Imagination is where belief starts. And uh, it's where you dream, right? So when you were younger, you dreamed, right? And we all followed Walt Disney, right? Here's the great Imagineer. Um, but I love this quote by John, um, John Jacquet Rousseau. He's a French guy. He said that the world um, of reality has its limits, all right? The reality in front of us, but the imagination, the world of imagination is boundless. And when we can get into our imagination, and then we can start to kind of craft and, and see what's possible, and that's pretty powerful. And I think there's some choices that we can make in that imagination phase, right? So if the best journey starts with a great beginning, and I truly believe that, then you really want to focus in on imagining, right? So the imagination phase, again, is critical. And I would say that first choice is to start with hope. That's the first one. And, and uh, I really thought long, about, long and hard about this when I was writing the book, even prior to that, about how important hope is. I know hope is not a strategy, my God, by gosh, you can't do anything without hope, right? You really need it. So one of the most powerful questions asked of me when I was in a time of challenge was by my girlfriend, who's now my wife. I was struggling. I was trying to get through college. I was doing okay up until that semester. And then all of a sudden, the whole world, you know, I felt that overwhelmed feeling. I don't know if you've ever Absolutely. experienced it, right? And I wasn't sure if I was going to graduate. You know, here I am, my last semester six weeks away from done and I'm not sure I'm going to make it. And uh, so we, uh, you know, after class one, one day, we just decided to go grab a Coke and sit in the student union center. And, you know, I took my backpack off and she could just tell there was something going on and, and it had been for a few days. And she finally asked me what's going on. I mean, you're just not yourself. And then I just kind of did this victim like <laughs> mentality there. And I just kind of shared and just kind of dumped everything that was happening about not being able to finish my projects and just feeling overwhelmed on my tests that was coming up and, and other things. And she shared a question that just totally rocked my world. And I still use this question as an anchor whenever I go through a challenge because it's so important. She asked me this question, but do you still have hope? 
mean, it was a sincere question. It was a powerful question. It was a question that really just kind of grabbed a hold of me. And I started thinking right away, like, yeah, you know, I, I haven't lost it. I do. And I, you know, if she hadn't said that, I probably would have just, I just wanted to go under a rock and hide, you know. But when she reminded me of the hope that was still there, it allowed me to push through what I was going through and be able to persevere. So I would say, you've got to have hope. You've got to start there. And then um, I know there, we've got limited time here, but I would say after hope, that's when you get the cast of vision, right? That's when you get the cast of vision, right? Because vision is what gives your hope a target. So take time to do it. Vision casting, and we could spend a lot of time on this, I think is so vital, so important, so critical with whatever you're doing. And so cast that vision. You know, uh, Einstein says your imagination is a preview of life's coming attractions, right? <laughs> so you're going to take time to imagine that and cast that vision. That's important. And then this part's important. The third choice I would say for imagining is be bold. Now, a lot of times we wait for that courage, you know, it's like getting up out of bed. I don't feel like getting up out of bed, but we wait for that courage to, to do what we need to do. Don't wait. Just go. Be bold. The courage will come along later, Right. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, strength doesn't come from doing what you can do. It comes from doing the things you once thought you couldn't. That's and, beautiful. Uh, yeah. We're gonna, so we're going to come back. We've got plenty of time to discuss this topic, but we're going to sure. take a quick break and let the uh, sponsors pay for our bills. So we'll be yeah. right back on the Work-Life Balance with Paul Gustafson. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management. From CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. 
from the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. All right, we're back to the work-life balance. We've been talking with Paul Gustafson. He's the CTO of Simventions and also the author of Leaders Press On, uh, which is available pretty much everywhere. Correct, Paul? You can get it. it I'm told so, right? You know, right? so yeah, you can probably go to Barnes and Noble and and they will tell you it's not on our shelf, but we'll, we'll order it for you. But yeah, you can you can get it off any of the websites that, that are out there. Perfect. So, by the way, I found there's borders. It's still around. Yeah, we, we still have books a million. I think there's one left here yeah. in, in Alabama. I was in but, Malaysia a couple of weeks ago and I saw borders. I couldn't believe My book wasn't there though. No, because <laughs> that's the first thing we do is we go look. Is, is it still on the shelf? Is it good? Yeah. But that's a good sign because they had an overflowing number of copies and they're just all sold out. That's what <laughs> really but uh, you know, coming back, we um, you had mentioned something in the previous segment, and I just want to pivot to that. You had said that you know hope is something that you're really using as an anchor point. Yeah, and anchor points is something that's that's really important to you and, and said throughout the book. So describe that term and what that really means to the audience. Well, I think it's important for us to stay inspired, right? Especially leaders, and I would say that anybody, anybody that's listening, anybody who's breathing is a leader. You know, leading starts with yourself, right? So sometimes, you know, we, uh, one of the things I love to do is, is communicate and talk to and listen to some of the millennials that we have. And some of them don't see themselves as leaders, but, but they are. And um, I would say that um, in our life, we're going to have different experiences and challenges that we go through. And they're going to be tough. But sometimes, and at, at some point, you're going to get through it, right? So the victory is on the other side of that challenge. And every time you go through that, it creates an opportunity for you to kind of mark that and remember that and use that as something that will inspire you. And it doesn't just have to be your own story. It can be other people too. So look for other people that, um, that can mentor you or maybe mentor you from afar. They don't have to actually live next door to you. But other people who have had a story and something has gone through their life and allow some of, some of those elements of their story be an anchor point for you. One for me, when I, was grow, I grew up in uh, Northern Virginia, and my family, we went to this church, and um, one of the guys that, was, that attended the church was a POW in Vietnam. Wow. And his name is Command, well, Captain. He was a commander at the time. He was a POW, but Captain Red McDaniel. And his story is amazing. And you guys can Google him and you'll find out. And he was just here at Simventions last, last November. So it was pretty cool just to talk to him. But uh, I've talked to him several times. And his story has been an inspiration for me, just what he went through. And I'll, I'll leverage things like that, things that they say. You know, that's why I do like quotes. Um, one of my favorite quotes from Red McDaniel um, is about courage. And he says that the brave man is not the man who with the brave man is not the man with ice water in his veins. He is rather the one who's afraid, but still does the job. Wow. And in context with what he went through at the Hanoi Hilton in Vietnam for six and a half years of his life as a prisoner of war, it's pretty powerful. So I can leverage that. I can remind myself what somebody else went through and be able to get through that challenge. So yeah, anchor points are cool. So I definitely uh, encourage you guys to have just a, a, a list of those somewhere 
you know, in the back of your mind and leverage those when you can. That's, that's awesome. And so as, as we start to talk through that, um, anchor points also then kind of pivot into fears a little bit. And I loved the section that you did on the 12 fears. So talk to the audience a little bit about that. Yeah. So fears, let's be honest, guys, all of us face fears. We all hit it. At some point in time, we're going to experience a fear and we may experience multiple fears in a day, multiple fears in a moment, actually. And no leader, spare one, is immune to fears. All right. And so I started really thinking about fears, like, hey, what are the fears that I've had? Right. What was the fear that I had when I was in college? You know, and I told you the story with, with my, my girlfriend, my wife now, who, you know, gave me that really positive question that kind of pivoted me and allowed me to get through it. But I was dealing with some fear. I was dealing with the fear of failure. I was dealing with the fear. And, there, and there's 12 that I came up with. So I'll just kind of rattle through it and we can talk about any of them if you want. But there's the fear of adversity, all right? The fear that, you know, there's going to be some challenges ahead of us. There's the fear of conflict where, you know, I've seen this in the workplace. I've seen this in other places where there's people are just afraid to really rattle uh, other people's cage. And uh, so there's this fear of conflict. There's the fear of change. Um, I've seen that. People are just not wanting to change. And, uh, and that can be crippling, by the way. The fear of process. This is the one that really I've struggled with, to be honest with. And a lot of people don't talk about it, but it's that the process is knowing just how much work has to be done to get to where you need to go. And when you start thinking about it, you're like, holy cow, that's a lot of work I got to do. And so that, that can cripple me. So I've got to find, I got to find those anchor points to get through it. The fear of rejection. I think that's a common one that a lot of people have, fear of rejection. Um, the fear of vulnerability, mm. right? And uh, people think of like getting on stage or, you know, even on social media, um, people, I've seen people put something on social media and then 20 minutes later, they'll take it off because it's, you know, they just feel like, oh my goodness, I just, I just made myself vulnerable. And, you know, uh, there's lots of different examples of vulnerability. It doesn't have to be social media, but that is definitely a fear that people have. And Brene Brown talks about that. So uh, pretty powerful. There's also the fear of being alone. I think every one of us does not want to be alone. We want to feel like we belong to something. And that's important. Um, because I'm an athlete, or at least I was at one time, I had the fear of pain or injury, you know, re-injuring yourself. But it goes beyond just physical pain, you know, just pain itself. It's just something we cringe at. We don't want to experience. You can see it even when people watch a movie, they may kind of cover their eyes or their ears because they see the pain about to happen. And so there's a natural um, response that we might have in terms of fear, that kind of fear. Uh, the fear of failure is pretty prominent one. That's the one that I was dealing with that I mentioned earlier, the fear of disappointment. Now, here's what's interesting. I had this, these two fears battling each other. I had the fear of failure and this fear of disappointment. And I was actually, you can, you can actually use some of these fears to uh, enable you to get through whatever it is that you're going through. And, some, and it's, it's not healthy necessarily, but it can be done. So I was able to use just the knowledge that I was going to disappoint a lot of people if I quit college, especially six weeks to go and, <laughs> you know, in that last semester versus the fear of failure. Like, you know what? I'd rather deal with the feel or fear of failure, not doing well in that project and that test than the disappointment that would happen with my family if I didn't try to finish this thing off. So I've used the fear of disappointment more than once just to kind of get through whatever situation I needed to go through. 
but it's still something that you have to recognize. And the last two I would uh, are real important. One is the fear of success. You know, there is a great fear of that because we're afraid of what it might, what success might do to us or our family. And then of course the fear of death. So those are, those are just some fears. Didn't dig too deep on any of them, but I think they're, uh, you know, I, I keep seeing those patterns over and over again. So, and then there's some, some powerful things we can do with those fears if you want to jump into that. We will. We will. We've got about three minutes to break. I, d- I did want to dive into one of the fears um, because I, I found it very eloquent in the book. Um, also, it's something that I see from, you know, company to company and person to person. And uh, again, never really heard anybody articulate it like you did in the terms of fear process. Uh, Right. And so as you're seeing this enormous change and we work in industries, you know, you're seeing people convert to agile methodologies or you're seeing this. I had a a, a interaction with a client this week that, you know, just because they had to go back to the board, they they just didn't want to enact the change. They they didn't want to go back in front of the committee and reappear, um, even though it was the right thing to do. And so that fear process, I find crippling a lot of organizations from seeing the innovation that they that they require. It's true. And, you know, what what happens is avoidance. Like, oh, I got this process. I got to go through this whole thing. And it really may not be that hard, except you just have to step through it, right? So, if, if you've ever taken physics, you know about momentum, you know about inertia. And it's that inertia. It's usually taking that first step. That's why it's so important when we talked about be bold. You're not going to feel courageous necessarily when you take that first step. But once you get going, then the courage will kind of come. So when you're dealing with the fear of process, and I, I deal with it a lot, you know, it's part of, it's, it's my kryptonite, right? <laughs> so I just have to remind myself, okay, one step at a time. You know, it's, it's kind of like, what about Bob? You've seen that movie, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? It's, you know, baby steps, you know, and figure it out, break it down. Even Henry Ford talked about breaking down a big project down to smaller steps. So Agile's cool because I love how, you know, if we want to dive into that, it's not just software. It's about life. It's about breaking down those user stories, your own user stories, and the things that you can manage and be able to work through that. It's amazing you said that because there's this guy I know who wrote a book called No Day But Today. And I'm not sure who that, no, that was me. Um, (laughs) But it was taking very much the same, right? The project management and agile methodology, but breaking that down into our lives. So your stakeholders and roles and, you know, understanding the smaller chunks and making sure that you're working on the most important work first, right? It, it, it yeah. all is applicable in what we do in our everyday life. Um, but, you know, I, I watch amazing people do it at work and then not apply it to themselves or to their own leadership principles. So we'll talk about that a little bit when we come back from break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy 
is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. Third segment of the Work-Life Balance this week, and... and We'd love for you to call in if you have any questions, but there's also multiple ways to interact with the show now. You can see it's streaming live on Facebook from the R2 Consulting uh, uh, Facebook page. We also have a Zoom conference page now where you can watch these two beautiful faces that were designed for radio uh, have this conversation and, and join in anytime. So you can always go to rickamorris.com slash voiceamerica to find out how to register and see this show live. And of course, we'll have it out on YouTube, iTunes, and all the other uh, wonderful ways in which you can interact with the show. So coming back to Paul, um, you know, Paul, we were just talking about the 12 fears and the uh, fear process, but you know, fear really kind of drives you to action. I mean, right? That's the positive side of fear. Is, is that yeah. fair? Yeah, if you can recognize the fear, because the fear isn't what stops us, Rick. It's our attitude and response to the fear. And I think, you know, there's a misnomer in there that we think fear stops us. No, it's not the fear. It's our response to the fear. And our response is always our attitude. And there's two kinds of attitudes that we can have. We can have either a leadership attitude or we can have just a, you know, a typical, which is a fatal attitude. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. But let me get into the the powerful leadership attitudes. I think this is fascinating. And, you know, I did a little bit of research when I wrote this book and I really try to understand and unravel these attitudes. And there's lots of books on attitudes. So I'm not trying to replace any book that's out there, but here's what I found interesting. There's five attitudes that can really make a difference that can really change, change your perspective and change the conditions of what you're facing. And um, the first one is an attitude of appreciation that if you start there with gratitude, wow, that, will, that can change 
change not only yourself, but other people who are with you, right? Because a leader typically isn't going to lead by themselves. They're going to lead with other people. And if you want to be able to kind of diffuse that fire that might be taken going on or the fears that people feel, start with appreciation. What is it that you can appreciate? There is something that you can appreciate in the moment. What is it? You know, maybe just being the, having that opportunity to make a decision of whatever it is that you have to do, that could be pretty powerful. The next one is this attitude of calm. And I love how uh, Bob Berg talks about it. He talks about how let calm be your default. And this attitude of calm, wow. I mean, that's one that I have to work on. I've got to remind myself to do it, but it's, it's pretty powerful. Attitude of trust is the third one where you start to trust not just yourself, which is important, but other people. Um, And then the fourth one is this attitude of optimism or hope, right? Remember what I talked about earlier, you still have hope. Remember that hope, find that hope. Um, I used optimism here because you'll see why in a minute. And then the fifth one is attitude of responsibility. We're responsible for our actions and we've got to take take that responsibility head on and move forward with it. And yeah, sometimes we have to step in through the fear with boldness and and move forward. But here's what's interesting. The five that I just mentioned, if you hadn't noticed, it spells the word actor. And when this, when this kind of played out, when I was writing, I'm like, Oh dear, that's not going to sit too well with the reader. But I started, I looked up the word actor, Rick, and you know where the word comes from? I have no idea. It's not Hollywood. I know that. No, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) It's a Latin word, which means agent of action. And it was used in theatrical plays. And in the ancient Greek, it denotes a leader. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the origin of the word actually means leader. It means identify. It talks about identifying a leader who leads, carries, conveys, and brings influence to others. That's its meaning. And I started thinking about it like, whoa, that is perfect. That's, that's actually <laughs> very helpful for me. And one, it's easy to, easier to remember these attitudes. But two, that's certainly the picture that we need to have as a leader in terms of the opportunity that we have to lead, carry, and convey and bring influence to other people. So those are the five. And attitude's a choice. Would you agree? I mean, so yeah. we, we teach a lot um, on, on just changing words, right? If you just change simple words, it changes the attitude or the perception. So for instance, oh, I have to go to this meeting, right? Yeah. Versus I get to go I to this to meeting. Go. Right. Yeah. Coming back to appreciation, I think. But, you know, just changing some of those insights can really influence your, your behavior and your attitude for the day. Yeah. Attitude is absolutely a choice. It, you know, uh, Scott Hamilton, uh, he's an Olympic gold medalist. And he actually is more interesting. He's a brain tumor survivor. He's got one of my favorite quotes on attitude. He says, the only disability in life is a bad attitude. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> An attitude is a choice. You get to choose it as, you know, as, uh, I don't know if it's Swindoll or, or Maxwell. It's the one string you get to play. Nobody else gets to choose it for you. You get to play your attitude. Yeah, it's a choice. So choose those five, you know, and I looked at the counter, right? Those five fatal attitudes. Um, so I compared it, right? Here's the five fatal. It's criticalness instead of appreciation. All right. So I'm contrasting this with the uh, leadership attitudes. So criticalness instead of appreciation. Then you have agitation instead of calmness. Right. We've all seen that. Maybe we've been that. Maybe we've experienced it and we can wave our hand like, yeah, I've been agitated. That wasn't a good attitude. But what if we could have been calm instead? All right. Doubt instead of trust. You know, that's a predominant one that I've seen a lot. We have yeah. doubt in ourselves and our team, but let's trust it. 
And then fourth one is helplessness instead of optimism, right? Like, oh, there's no way we're going to win. There's no, it's not even worth it. Nobody even do it. I, I don't know how many times somebody else waved at us at the start of our business to say, what are you guys doing? You have no chance. There's no way you can do it. You know, they were trying to inject us, their attitude, which was an attitude of helplessness instead of an attitude of optimism or hope. And then the fifth one is indifference. That is just a critical, bad, fatal attitude. It's just that attitude of indifference, like, I don't really care, instead of responsibility, where you take the responsibility of what you need to do. Um, So, yeah. If you were paying attention to the first letters of those five, it spells out a former ex-girlfriend, right, Kathy? So, I'm just teasing. <laughs> anyway. I, I didn't even look at that. Maybe it's, it's Latin for fatal. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because you had me all wrapped in, so I'm, I'm really paying attention to the first That's letter good. of each like one, trying to figure out what you were going to spell on this go-around, so... Uh, way to keep us hooked, Paul. That's that's a that's a great technique. I'll, I will find what language that means failing. It means <laughs> maybe it's uh, yeah, Malays. Certainly not French. Maybe Swedish. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in, in all seriousness, as 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 you look at at fatal attitudes and, and certainly those that that can spread, um, it, to me that becomes pervasive into the team as well. Yeah. Um, and so I remember being a child, my mom would send me back to my room for an attitude adjustment. And I didn't know what that meant until I was older. But, but if we could attitude adjust a lot of the leaders that, that I know I've seen and work with, um, I think it would be an important you know, gesture to, to improving the morale of the team. Yeah. Well, sometimes we need to send ourselves uh, to the room for an attitude adjustment. You know? <laughs> we really do. And uh, it's amazing what can happen. Just a little pivot, a minor pivot in our attitude. Even if we may have said something we shouldn't have said just 30 seconds earlier and just say, oh, you know, guys, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm really appreciative of everybody here. I, I really believe that we can do this. We just got to figure out how, how we get through this, you know, and boom, a lot can happen. So it, it's pretty powerful. And I think that that goes along with what you just said, but that goes along with vulnerability. Being a vulnerable leader and, and being able to admit that you shouldn't have said that, I think is huge. Yeah. It is because, you know, everybody as a leader, we think that we need to be perfect. We got to get it right. We've got to, you know, but you know what? Success only comes if you're willing to make the mistakes. You know, as Seth Godin says, success doesn't count unless you can fail. (laughs) (laughs) So so when you think about that, that means the same is true with our attitude. So we, sometimes we are going to mess up and we just need to model that for other people. Like, you know what? I goofed up there, but you know, let's, let's get, get ourselves back on path. Let's go around the leaf. Let's get going. Let's, let's do this right. One of the things um, I, I really enjoyed in the book as well, and it was, it was neat to kind of see the two worlds come together, leadership and agile. But you have proposed a, a leadership Kanban in, in, your, in your book. Talk about that for a moment. Sure. Um, so David Allen wrote a book years ago. Um, I've, got, I've got a card here. I'm going to reach for it. Hold on a second. And if Steve, if you were watching us live, you could see him reach. There you go. There we go. And so there's a card deck that came with this book. It's called The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. I was just looking back at the title of the book or the box. And the first card I pulled out of here was so powerful for me. And it says systems and tricks. And on the back it says, 
you need to set up systems and tricks that get you to think about your projects and situations more frequently, more easily, and in more depth. And I, I look at this card almost every single day. It's there for me to look at, at least see that part of it. I don't always look at the back. And it reminds me that, you know what, I got to put the right systems and tricks in play. And I'm not really a systems guy. I just, sometimes I just wanted to punch through and just go do it. And then I realized I need the right systems and tricks to be able to keep my, to manage myself, manage the team. So yeah, Agile uh, was a breakthrough for me. Uh, obviously, I've been involved in software and hardware stuff for a while. But realizing what you could do with that was just mind-blowing in terms of not just developing projects and innovating in that area, but also just applying to life. So I've got over on the wall over here, I've got a scrum board, combine board that I go to every single day. I've got one at home too. And I put four columns in it, right? And some of you guys are familiar with it and you're probably going, what's the fourth column? The first column is my to-do list, right? And anytime there's something that has to be done, I'll write it on there, but it doesn't mean I'm doing it. The next column is my doing column. And I'll only put up to three items max at any one time in my doing column. And that's what I try to do. That's what I'm working on. That's my, my focus because it's easy to flare as a leader and try to do everything, but we can't multitask. Just try to, it's like your computer on Windows, right? Or, or Mac. You can't load up all the apps at once. Your, your computer is going to slow down. Same is true for you. You can't have everything going on at once. True for me too. So three things, max. I try to get those done. And then when I'm done, I put it in my done column. So most of you guys are familiar with that. My fourth column though is I just need something of visibility to, to show what's happening for me for the day. So I have schedule, that's my fourth column. And it just shows the list of what's happening. And then that way, it's not only for me, but anybody that comes in my room, they can see what it is I'm working on, what I'm trying, what I'm trying to accomplish, but also what is, what's next on my agenda as, as part of the day. So it's, it gives clarity to me, to the team, to other folks. It's a system and trick, and it's one of the tools that I use, and I recommend it for anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I think, it's, I think a lot of us get wrapped up into our to-do lists. Yeah. Um, and, and so I've shared this on, on the show before, but this is, this is mine. I have a little boogie board. I won't write it down until I know I can accomplish it today. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I can just hit the button, and it's gone. And I, I'm good. I've, I've, I've wrapped up my day. I've, I've knocked everything out and I'm good to go. And that's kind of how I keep things in, in, in line, especially for a high eye personality and somebody who gets easily distracted. That, that's, very, that's my focus, right? It's yeah. my four things I'm going to get done today. I scratch them off and then hit the button and good cool. to go. By the way, you had some things that weren't scratched off, but you just erased it. So, guess what? You don't have to do them now. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just didn't get to the scratching part. I, nah, I didn't know I was going to be uh, demonstrating. But uh, we're going to take that really like quickly, though. Uh, we, we did get a quote in from the audience. Uh, my friend John Watson is a great friend of ours, and he wanted to share this quote with you. It says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yes. Oh, I love that quote. Yeah. yeah, so that, that's a great input from the audience. We're going to take our final break right here. We'll be right back with Paul on the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, 
you need to be agile. And there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CA PPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CA PPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back for our final segment of the Work-Life Balance uh, this week. We've been talking uh, to, to Paul Gustafson, and he is the author of Leaders Press On, Discovering the Power of Perseverance, as well as the uh, one of the co-founders, CTO of Simventions. Um, and so one of the things that we like to ask all of our guests, uh, Paul, is, is what's some of the best advice you've ever received? Wow. Lots of good advice. You know, I think of my dad, of course, you know, he inspires me. He passed away, gosh, 10 years ago. And, uh, but the advice that I kind of go back to, at least from a business standpoint, was actually shared by Mark Miller, right? Mark Miller is, um, I want to say he's a chief culture guy at Chick-fil-A. And he wrote Mm -hmm. a book. He wrote several books. He just finished a book called Talent Magnet, which is pretty cool. But um, it was either in his book, The Secret or The Heart of Leadership, where he talks about serving. And uh, we do something every year called Imagineering Day. And we kind of, it's for our company and we really try to connect everybody and collaborate and really get focused on what it is, who we are and where we're going. And uh, years a few years ago, we did a superhero theme and our tagline was, it's all in the serve. And I keep going back to that. It's pretty powerful. Um, so in that book, The Secret, he shares that serve is an acrostic. Here we go, another acrostic. <laughs> and serve, the S in serve is see the future. 
All right. So it ties back to what we talked about today about using your imagination. So the S, see the future. The next, the E is embody the values, the values of your company, of your culture, embody the values. The R stands for reinvent continuously. All right. The V is value results and relationships. Relationships is very important. And then the other E is engage and equip others. And when, what you get is serve. And it's so powerful. I just keep going back and, and revisiting that. So I would say that's probably the best business advice I've gotten over the last five years is uh, that serve model. Well, and I've, I've had an opportunity to witness you as a servant leader. You've given so much back to the John Maxwell team. And so I'm lucky enough to be on a couple of committees with you and, and watch, you know, your work in, in the president's advisory council. And again, just your willingness to, to stand up and lead. But talk about, you know, really briefly what, what brought you to the Maxwell team, what you've gotten uh, out of that. Thank you. Yeah, great question. So, uh, again, as you guys know, I've already, I've already talked a little bit about my company. We started in 2000. We're now 250 employees. And during one of our growth spurts, and um, hopefully we'll go through another one, but one, during one of those growth spurts, I realized, you know what? We're growing, but am I? I asked that question. Am I growing? And so, at the same time, I found out about this John Maxwell team. It was 2011, March of 2011. And, uh, you know, they talked about being a coach, a speaker, a facilitator, and the speaker part intrigued me. But what really intrigued me, John Maxwell, leadership guru of the world, right? I mean, all the people that we've mentioned before are certainly influenced by Mark Miller that I just mentioned, certainly influenced by John Maxwell. I wanted to be influenced by him. I mean, who better to mentor you than John Maxwell, especially, you know, it was just a few years after my dad had passed and I'm, I didn't have that mentor anymore and I needed that, that person. So that's why I joined. I wanted to be a stronger leader. I wanted to learn from one of the best. And uh, it's been an amazing experience. And I've met some of the best people in the world through that, uh, through that process. So, yeah, I've certainly developed this new inner circle. It's, it's, it's amazing who I can reach out to and who I can call and who I can grab advice and who I get coaching from. Yeah. I mean, it's just some of the highest quality people I think I've ever dealt with. And, and again, who do you, you know, who do you surround yourself with and, and who's going to challenge you and, and make you grow? And I think that's the, the, the team has certainly done that for me. Uh, I, uh, you know, <laughs> my daughter got introduced to John Maxwell because when my first book came out, uh, we went to go see it on the shelf and uh, my last name being Morris, um, I'm on the bottom right, last ledge, we got one book and then there's like three shelves of Maxwell. And my daughter, oh, nice. yeah, she looks at it and goes, uh, who's John Maxwell? And he's, so much better than you are. <laughs> <I was like laughs> yes, dear, he is. <laughs> so you should have taken every one of your books and inserted it between all the John Maxwell. <laughs> all one of them, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, the number of copies. They had one copy. Okay. Yeah, they had one copy. But you know, yeah. hey, we we, we all That's start somewhere. And I, I've shared so many of those anecdotes, especially John. Even saying, uh, I, I loved it the first time. See, I saw him do this where. Uh, somebody said they had his first book, and he says, "Why?" <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I've grown. I don't. I wouldn't even read my first book. So, <laughs> but anyway, how do people get in touch uh, with you, Paul? How do they reach out yeah, to you? Uh, they, I would love you for find? folks to reach out. Um, you can find me on all the social media uh, platforms. Uh, Twitter probably is the easiest. Just look for me at Paul Gustafson um, on Twitter. Uh, you can go to my website. Um, uh, obviously we have a corporate one here and certainly you can visit that if you want to, but my, my website is uh, leaderspresson.com or go to paulgustafson.com. 
um, and that'll take you to my site. I write a blog once a week and I try to get some content out there for you. Um, I try to mastermind as many books as I can. I'm a I'm, I'm an avid reader. I love reading leadership books and uh, going through Gary Vee's book right now, Crushing It, which is awesome. We just yeah. finished Dan Pink's book a couple months ago, and uh, we get to have him on a live call in a little bit. If you want to jump in and be part of that live call with Dan Pink in July, uh, just let me know. But I'd uh, love to reach out, connect with you, keep you informed of what's what's happening in, in, uh, in, this, in this world. It's not my world. It's a world about perseverance and, and leading and, and teamwork. I'm working on a teamwork project too, which I'm excited about. Well, Paul, we can't thank you enough for, for spending the time with us here on the Work-Life Balance and, and wish you luck in all your endeavors. Can't wait to see you again in person in, in August, right? Yeah, looking forward to it, Rick. Thanks so much for having me on and uh, just thank you everybody out there listening in and I hope we added some value today. Absolutely. I, I, I can tell you for a fact, we, we, I'm not going to say we, you added value to the, to the show today. My, my additions are, are somewhat sketchy from time to time, but coming up in the next couple of weeks, we've got Michael O'Brock is going to be on the show next week. He's the real life Q. So he actually is a project manager and makes a lot of the devices for the CIA. He's got a couple of uh, his projects in the spy museum. Uh, and he is always a hoot to have on, a, a great friend of ours, a great friend of the show. So Michael O'Brocto will be on next week. Uh, following that, we'll have Melissa Agnes on, who talks about um, making sure that your company is is ready for crisis. Uh, and so she's got some fantastic stories to share and, and start thinking about, you know, how how crises can hit you. And she tells a great story of, of when This Is Us, you know, had a, a beloved character uh, was killed by Crockpot and how Crockpot had to react to that crisis and how you have to be ready for those types of things, especially as social justice becomes, you know, a big mover and shaker for the corporate world. So Melissa will be on with us. Um, we're going to have a lot of great fun here on the Work-Life Balance. Again, you can always hit me up at Twitter at Rick A. Morris. Find us at pmnetworks.com, rickamorris.com, or rsquaredconsulting.com. And as always, we love spending our Fridays with you. It's the last thing I do before I truly hit my work-life balance and go spend time with the family. So we hope you guys are doing the same. You have a safe Memorial Day weekend, and we will talk to you next Friday. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.